My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. You guys have any cool news stories? Because I do. No? I'll start with mine. (laughs) You go ahead. How about I go first? (laughs) There's a... Do you guys remember the... um, the tailings pond that failed in Quinell at Mount Polly mine. I remember oh, hearing right. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So get this. I read a whole bunch of articles on this yesterday. It's totally disturbing. The mine never got fined for that failure, but they incurred $40 million in cleanup cost. Okay. Which is whatever. That's just a nice word. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause there's still disgusting stuff there going on. Okay. The the mine sued the engineering company that that engineered the tailings pond for like $180 million. Ooh. Okay. So the mine actually made money from that <gasps> failure in excess of $140 million. Are you serious? Yeah. They've they were never fined nothing. Nobody oh my fined God. Them. The only person who got their butt kicked in that deal was the engineering firms that built the tailings pond. And this gets way worse. Right now, they're talking, they're, they're firing that mine back up. So it's going to go back into production due to the price of copper. Okay. Okay. And there was a company that went and dove into the lake, Quinell Lake. And there's two two inch pipes that run from that tailings pond into the lake that are dumping. All this water in there, it's supposedly like cured water, okay? Because they need to relieve the pressure of the water behind the dam in order to fix the dam. So not only did it blow out, but in order to fix it, they're just going to pump it out. Oh, no. And, and that's Where's why... Where's the logic in this? That's I don't know. why we don't see Crab Fest that often anymore. Because Salmon Fest is over, <laughs> big time. Oh God! What a depressing. That's heartbreaking. Outcome. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sad now. Well, that's my story. So, I I just when I read it, I I I just went like in down every rabbit hole and read every article on that, like from back in. It's it's eight years old. It was eight yeah. years last week that that dam failed. Wow. That tailing pond dam failed. And when you look at the drone photos looking down on that tailings pond, it's, it would be stupid to think that that tailings would never affect the lake because it's like, it's on top of a mountain, the lake's below it. Yeah. yeah. And what we know about gravity and water and all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Runs gravity downhill. and, you know, all those Newton's law. And, and how is nobody batting an eye over this? I think people do bad eyes, but when the media shuts down and they go on to something else, like people, people, people crave drama, mm-hmm. but only yes. when it's hot. You don't hear anybody talking about Ukraine anymore. Like it's not the hot That's topic true. anymore. Yeah. Right. We've moved on. That's, that stuff is still going on over there. And we hear about it like on. once every two weeks now, instead of mm-hmm. every second of every minute, we were like glued to. To YouTube to see the videos that were coming in, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. This modern world is full of nightmares. <laughs> Anyways, uh, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to real estate. It is a real estate podcast. <laughs> Moving so on. We're going to keep, keep you in the loop. Forgot about all that other drama. Uh, today we have two special guests. Dun, 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 dun. Two special guests. That's right. Tina Head. Hi. Royal Page Realtor? Yes, I am. Welcome. Thank you. Is this your first time on the podcast? No, you've been on the podcast. I've been on a few of your podcasts. Yeah. What's new in your life? Tell us. Not a lot. 
Well, didn't you just do like a big oh, walk? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, we did. We walked 187 kilometers, actually, from Grand Prairie, Alberta to Grand Cache. My nephew raises money for cancer. His goal was set at $10,000 this year, and he surpassed that. We survived. It was 33 <laughs> degrees, and Ouch. we Ouch. averaged about 37K a day. It was amazing. That's so cool. What's Best your, time ever. Congrats. What's your nephew's name? Bryson Howe. And what was the purpose of the, like, where did this stem from? Why did he just dream up this walk? He has been raising money for cancer since he was about four years old. He used to sit in the mall with his ukulele collecting coins and he would donate it. Every birthday party he's ever had, he'd ask for money in lieu of and he would donate every penny of it. He sold teddy bears. He's done, this kid has probably raised close to $40,000 and he's only 15 years old. Oh my God. That's like it's incredible. just, it's something that just touches him amazing. and he's just the most amazing little soul out there. And I'm just so blessed to be part of it. And that walk was, it's truly the highlight of our lives doing this walk with our family. Oh, what nice. an inspiration. That's so amazing. Yeah. Wow. Congrats. Thanks. To all of you. It's great. Yes. Oh, and we have Mallory. Here I am. Hi, Mel. Hi. Can I use the term? Am I am I allowed to use what the real estate d- term? Depends what term. What Mal- do you mean? Mally J. Mally J. Mally J. <laughs> sure. Mally J's in the house. <laughs> Here I am. Um, well, I haven't done anything as amazing lately as changing the world through <laughs> a fifteen-year-old <laughs> inspiring the people around me. But I did take a nice weekend trip to Victoria. Victoria. Nice. I did that. That's life-changing too. You know, it was beautiful. Seeing the province before us it was great. Hot summer times. What was the temperature like in Victoria? It was a, like 30, 30 degrees. Hot that's, and sunny. I mean, that's probably hot because it's a little more humid there. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Got a little sun, got some new freckles. Mm-hmm. Nice. You look sun-kissed. I got the little rosy on the cheek, mm-hmm. but that's good. I'm an SPF 50 or more kind of gal, so I was rocking it. Do you like give it 15 minutes before you lather up or do you just go right into it <laughs> no. before you touch the sun? No, if I know I'm going to be out for a couple hours, I just put it on when I'm thinking about it because it's... Right. I've had too many terrible burns in my life. I know better now. Ditto. Yeah. I know better. I know better once a year. Mm-hmm. Once a year, I know better. But it After takes your burns? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> takes me an uncomfortable sleep and then I'm like, let's lather up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Victoria's great. I like it. I've only been there once, but... Only nice. once? Only once. Ooh. I try to stay away from the big cities. <laughs> it's not even that big of a city. That's I know, what I was going to say, isn't but it? But it's a big dot on the map. Like it's and got a pretty, it's a big, bold font. People know about Victoria. It's yeah. the capital of the province and all, but it's not that big. It feels like a, like a, yeah, it doesn't feel like a, a, a crushing metropolis. It's very easy and relaxed, I find, there. It's not because like, it's not a big municipality with freeways and highways and no. congestion. And I'm sure like just the geography of being limited by the bounds of the island are right. just sort of keeps it in that little corner. I think we should make a movement to get Kalamazoo to be the new uh, capital of BC. But we're the ter- tournament capital of Canada already. What more could you want? How do you Parker? get that designation? I don't know. <laughs> and can you keep it? Is there someone who keeps track of that? Like Guinness or something? Uh, well, I can't. There's no way it's Guinness. There's no way we've broken world records, is it? I don't know. Who do we apply to? Where's the registry? These yeah, are like questions. Tournament I, registry. I don't have answers to. I'd like to see the stats because I'd like to know if someone's on our neck. Do we create a, like a couple badminton events or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, not badminton. It's going to have to be pickleball because that's the newest, New trend. hottest thing. Okay, I seen this the other day. This is tennis basketball. Tennis baseball. Uh, Sorry, tennis ex- baseball. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> no. I think some dudes made it in their backyard, okay? So they got tennis rackets, and the pitcher pitches the ball by throwing it up and smacking it to the batter, who literally can bat it. With a tennis racket? With a tennis racket. And then the people in the outfield have gloves and a tennis racket. <laughs> so they would catch it, but if they want to throw it to someone, they have to throw it out of their glove and whap it to oh, first that base. that sounds fun. <laughs> no, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, that does sound like a really good time. We should start we a tournament league. for that. We should, yeah. yeah, we should start a league, anyways. Tennis baseball. I'm down. Tennis baseball. We wouldn't be the founders or nothing, but we would be like 
You um, know, in all good sports, there's really someone else who invented it, but then there was someone else who like got it off the ground. <laughs> yep. That'll yeah, be us. That'll be us. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the sun's out. Uh, some, summertime's fading. You know, school starts in like four weeks. How dare oh. you? I'm not ready. I know you're speaking the truth, but like it's less than four weeks. P.S. But I feel like we're at the peak of our heat season right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. But it's only going to get cooler. Mm-hmm. And fall is football season starts tonight. Preseason NFL starts tonight. That's too soon. And that's the beginning of <laughs> the cooler weather hunting season. And and I feel like the other unofficial beginning of fall is when we see the first pumpkin spice latte of the season. <laughs> right. And then you know. Then yeah. you know. Have you seen one? Not me personally. It's not for me. It's not my flavor. I don't like it, but I haven't, I haven't looked hard. But It's a little out there. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little potent. <laughs> I like pumpkin pie, though. Same. But yeah. only with ice cream. I'm down with that. Why not whipped cream? Well, and whipped cream. I think that whipped cream was a given. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course we get whipped cream. In there. It's against the law to have pumpkin pie without whipped cream, so. Yeah. Okay, moving on to real estate-related items. Um, last podcast, I talked about how many sales there were in July. Tina has it right in front of her. July stats, total sales for the month. Of 2022 was 190 sales. 190 units. So you did some research and found some other dates and other times. I did, yes. Just throw them. Throw them out there. Um the most sales, I would say, would be the 2016, we had 362 units sold. Back in 2011, you're looking at 232. 2019, 294. 2021, 282. And then here we are at 190. 190 for the month of July. And then yesterday, I was just mentioning that I looked at the hot sheets at like 2 in the afternoon and there was one sale for the day. It was like pathetically low. So I thought it might be interesting... I mean, we all agree the market is slow. Yeah, that Slower. it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So August is, uh, I mean, we still have a few months left, but a few weeks left. <laughs> How many sales? Let's make, it, let's make a bold prediction. How many units are going to sell in the month of August? I'm going to say probably close to the same as last month, around the 190. 190? Yeah. I'm going to say one. 60. Oh yeah, my. I think those are both good numbers. I'm somewhere in between. I'm going to say 170 just to okay. kind of be in the middle. I think that's where we're going to roll in. But those numbers are clearly like fall numbers. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday was like four sales for the day. That's like Christmas Eve numbers. <laughs> yes. That's, how, that's typically how many numbers we have on Christmas Eve if right? it's a weekday. What do we win if we're the one who gets it closest? A house? If I get it closest... I'll probably remember and put it on the podcast. If you guys win, I probably just will carry on. <laughs> oh, I'll be <laughs> moving on. I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're all aware the numbers are lower. It is being defined as a buyer's market. And I thought, let's start off by discussing, like, what defines a buyer's market and, and how does that affect each um, professional in a real estate transaction, right? So... We have a buyer and a seller. Mm-hmm. We have a buyer's agent and a seller's agent. We have other professionals in there. Um, lawyer doing conveyancing. Home inspector. Home inspector. Maybe like a pest guy, termite guy. Mortgage broker. Mortgage broker, bank. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just go through one at a time and just talk about the differences between what we just came out of in a seller's market. And I'll go back to like the spring and just say that the spring was... Early spring was clearly defined as a, as a seller's market, meaning mm-hmm. seller has all the leverage. Now we're in a buyer's market. Buyer has all leverage. So looking at the first person in that transaction, let's talk about the seller. Um, in a seller's market, seller normally will get to have a lot of say in the dates, mm-hmm. you know, in a transaction, right, when they're negotiating. Um, usually the seller will even see the dates that they're looking for in a contract. So you put your house in the market, you get 12 showings in the first two days, and you get four offers you're sitting looking at. And you've, as a seller, you've already described your optimal completion and possession dates 
yeah. uh, up front so that the buyers coming in can just give them to you. Right. And then they'll have to sort of like figure out how they're going to make that work. <laughs> yeah. Right? So dates would be one thing. Um, obviously, the, the price is a given, right? In mm-hmm. most cases, multiple offers, we're getting more than asking. Um, now the seller is probably going to be negotiating like in, well, I did the math. It was a 7.5, of the transactions last month, sorry, the last two weeks of July went into multiple offers. That's it. Which is, I think about that's normal. I think that's just saying. normal. That's yeah. going to be a normal number. You'll never get mm-hmm. zero because there'll always be a, a good deal or a really nice property that everybody wants to have and there'll yes. still be buyers for them. So I think that's fair to say, but let's say 97%, sorry, 92, 92.5% of the deals are going to be negotiated. So looking at the stats from last month, it was somewhere between 97.5% of asking was the average for the month. So you were getting, you know, if you were, whatever your list price was, the average you were getting Mm-hmm. Sold price in your pocket was 97.5%. And in the past, I checked that out in the past, 98% was the norm. Okay. Somewhere in that area, 98%, I think. It was on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. So as a seller, you're not getting the same amount of money, and you're going to have to fight a little bit to get it. Um, what else happens to the seller? You're sitting longer. Mm-hmm. You're definitely sitting longer. Price adjustments. Yeah. possible, you know, and yeah. I think to more stress, um, we've also talked about the importance then of selling your home as like an item. You're not, you're not just sitting waiting for offers to roll in. You have to maybe put a little more thought and care and work into getting it prepared for like mm-hmm. to show nicely. Yeah. Prepping the curb, mm-hmm. making sure that, um, you're giving your house the best potential feel for Mm -hmm. a buyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Another thing was you're waiting longer. Average days on the market last month was 40 days on the market. Wow. So you're waiting over a month typically to get a sale. Yeah. That's so different than what was the average? Three, four days, five (laughs) hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll find that at the end of August, that day, those days in the market are going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was playing around with those. I don't have the numbers in front of me in the the actual eras, but I think it was like 07 or 08. I looked and it was like 68 days was the average days on the market. Wow. So we got, we got a long way. We could, we could get a lot slower. Right. It all depends yeah. on how many listings to how many buyers are, are sitting on the market. Supply and demand. So I was thinking about this. Sellers have to, in the, in the seller's market, a lot of times sellers didn't have to prepare for a home inspection because a lot of their offers that were coming in were subject-free or had very minimal subjects. But now you are definitely preparing your house to have a home inspector come through. Yes. Maybe a termite inspector come through maybe a fireplace guy, mm-hmm. you know, a pool guy, all those different trades that do inspections, you definitely want to prepare for that as a seller. And on the flip side, the buyer gets to do it. Yeah. Whereas they're coming out of a market where they, you know, they weren't really given as the many opportunities. To do it. Yeah. yeah. In multiple offers, you were trying to make the best, most aggressive offer that you could put together on paper. And a mm-hmm. lot of times it limited doing due diligence. Sadly, yeah. it did. Yeah. Yeah. And like, ooh, I, I hopefully, you know, the people that ru- had to rush into some of those situations, uh, I just feel like there's so much risk involved with skipping something like a home inspection. I know that's just what the market dictated, but ooh, it seems like a lot of risk to take on. It is yeah, a lot of I risk. Agree. Mm-hmm. You're, you're spending a million bucks and you're not going to crack the furnace compartment and take a peek in there and just see if it's something. Hey, this is a live podcast, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Taking phone calls. That's caller number one. Caller. We've got a caller on the line. (laughs) 
All okay. right, so let's let's look at more of the buyer now. Um, buyers get to do due diligence. Buyers get to to actually negotiate on the purchase price. And even before making an offer, they're shopping around. They're taking more time to look at properties, it seems, because there's so many more. There's more properties on yes. the market. To, to yeah. take time and do viewings and repeat viewings. and Do a second showing, yeah. for sure. You weren't doing second showings before. Mm-mm. But you definitely have the opportunity to do a second showing. I think even just being in a house by yourself is a bonus because when the market was crazy... People were just lined up outside. Waiting oh my God. to get in. And you would yes. you would go through with your client and the buyer would get 15 minutes inside the house and there'd be another realtor right on your tail. Talk about pressure. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Creates a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, buyers also have the ability to see more properties because there's a lot more on the market. Mm-hmm. So before when you were, I need a house in Sahali at this price point. That was sort of as much criteria as you could lay out. Yeah. Like if you were looking for, you know, a two-story or a rancher, it was like, that's not really something that we can break down for you unless you only want to look at a house every month. Yeah. So that's more options. Yeah. More, more inventory. More inventory. We yeah. have like really high inventory right now. Um, higher than we've had in a long time. I know that's not the most, is that the most recent stats? Number of listings active end of period, just over 1,400. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that number like down around 100 in? If you compared it to single family detached homes, because usually when I try and do that number, I I usually just crunch that. Mm. Yeah. 100 houses on the market was something we, Mm. this is probably more like, I would suspect half of those are single family detached homes. So like. So many more than there were. Sevenfold more. It's crazy. Um, yeah, what else do buyers get to enjoy at buyers, this point? Buyers get to it? enjoy getting their bank to approve their financing before they make an offer. Right. Yes. That's like a really big step for them. I mean, I don't think that happened a lot in our market. I know that subject-free offers, there was a plan B for most of my buyers. Like there was a way to get that money if it wasn't going to come from a bank or if there was going to be a hitch in that transaction. Yes. But I know that in the lower mainland and Kelowna, when the market was super nutso, you were just assuming that you were going to get financing. Yeah. Oof. You were just taking the risk, right? Mm-hmm. What's interesting is the government now is like putting ma- this mandated three-day cooling off period. Oh, right. That's for Starting January. Starting January, yeah. yeah. And they've defined those three days as allotted time for the buyer to get adequate financing and to do a home inspection. How do you do that in three days? I, I think they should maybe talk to like a mortgage broker before they go. <laughs> yes. Like, hey, I got three days. So what's the answer? <laughs> I got to know. I need another 10 days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely buyer and seller kind of like the highlighted points. From a real estate perspective, this is a whole different world. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. We're going from, let's say, from a buyer's agent. You're going from showing onesie twosies to your clients and making a lot more offers because you're mm. losing so many of them. Yes. To now you're showing 7, 10, 15 houses per buyer before they decide to write their first offer. Yeah. I've always noticed that when there's too much inventory, it definitely slows down the buyer's desire to write an offer. Well, it does. There's too much to look at. It, it almost becomes overwhelming, I feel, for them. And if you're looking at 10, 15 houses, they all just kind of blend together. Mm-hmm. You know, back a few months ago, you didn't have that chance to look at all these houses. So you looked at two and it was like, okay, offers need to be in by 5 p.m. tonight. What are you doing? <laughs> Which one of these two would you like? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot There's of no great YouTube videos on the real estate world. <laughs> yeah, there was. About that. <laughs> you know, there was this one I saw where this guy was selling an apple. Oh, uh, yeah, he, you showed that to I'm me. Sure that was funny. He's like, he's got an apple. And he's like, okay, here's my apple. And um, it's for sale. You know, the first guy's like, can I see that apple? Uh, no, you cannot look at it. Mm-hmm. You know what an apple looks like. <laughs> Just have your offers all presented to me here. <laughs> it's just funny. It was a good, 
<laughs> it's simply the market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that I know from a buyer's perspective is that, let's say from an agent perspective, six months ago you wanted a listing, like that's what you wanted because you knew you were going to sell a house. Yeah. Now you want a qualified buyer. Yes. Listing doesn't mean anything. No. Because they're sitting, right? They are sitting. But the difference was like now you want somebody who's like, hey, I've sold my house and I have a pocket full of money. And I'm ready to I'm move. ready to go go do something. Because when you're selling now, everybody's comparing their house to the market of yesterday. And it's Which difficult not to there. price your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny, like reading economists documentation about inflation and interest rates and what we're heading to. And the real estate market is not 8% up, right? So the, the inflation rate in Canada is 8%. And I get that's on an average. And I'm assuming PEI didn't see the same real estate market as we did, right? Right. But wonder what the BC inflation rate is. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I know that Prince George real estate market was hot. Kelowna's was hot. Vancouver's was hot. Should we make a guess on this? <laughs> well, I, I just think that we should know province to province generally what the inflation rate is because... Yes, and it should be different because not every province is the same. Mm-hmm. No, totally, 100%. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Nova Scotia and Brunswick and PEI did not see the same aggressive markets that we saw. And I, I mean, maybe fuel and food costs and some of those other big transportation costs, whatever, they went up. But housing is a big factor in that mm-hmm. calculation. And we, you know, we're like 8% inflation. I, I think BC is probably more like, probably was as high as 25%. Yes. And we've probably <laughs> backed off a little bit. And I'd like to make a bold prediction, to mm. be honest with you. Let's hear it. Because the Bank of Canada's meeting on the 8th or 10th of September... And I think I'm the only person who feels that interest rates will not go up. Oh, I hope you're right. I hope I'm right. I should be right because inflation has already started to twist. Mm-hmm. Fuel prices are down. I saw $1.89 on the way here. That's, that's better than two thirty. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. The, mar- the real estate market has slowed off. I don't know about food because I don't buy the groceries. Still, in my so it's so expensive. Food is yet to turn right in any direction other than up. In my in my opinion, I don't know if food does go down. I don't know either. I hope like that it does. Transportation costs drive the price of food up, mm-hmm. but why would food ever go down? It's not a true commodity. I mean, like vegetables and meat may be more of a commodity the way that they're auctioned at the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like craft dinner, it's not going to change their price. <laughs> no, that's true. Right? Who eats that? I do. Oh. Every once in a while, yeah. as like a, I'm lazy or like, I don't know, sometimes it just really hits, but I jazz it up. Got to put broccoli in it and oh, okay. things. Yeah. So you do, Liven it you up. do see that commoditized pricing. I do. Adding the broccoli. I do. <laughs> so if, if I'm right... I will restore my faith in, in the monetary system in Canada. But if I'm wrong, I will, I'll start to cry because then I'll really truly believe that our monetary system is so out to lunch mm-hmm. that they're just going all the way to the right and all the way to the left. Right? Just because. Yep. Like in steering your car, you're driving down the highway, okay? And you see yourself fading into the, across the double yellows, mm-hmm. okay? You don't just grab the wheel and just crank it for the ditch. Mm-hmm. You'd be in the cabbage. <laughs> you got to tone her down. Right? Yeah, slight adjustment. So if you turned and you saw your car starting to move back in the center, would you not stop? Would you not? Would you just ease? You're on the right path. Mm-hmm. So this is my bold prediction that September the interest rates stay the same. I like your thoughts. Yeah, I like it too. Here's hoping. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Someone's going to be hearing about, for me, if it, because I do fear that I'm probably wrong and that their (laughs) interest rates will go up, but I just, 
in my logically that makes sense. Logically, it, to me, it seems like we should be pulling back. Yeah. Not to mention that we're just getting out of holiday season, and September is like a different time. Like people, kids go back to school. Like holidays are over. Routine. Yeah. Back to life. Back to school shopping. Mm-hmm. Lots of spending yeah. in our And the good news, back to selling houses because the market usually improves in September. The numbers that we see in August, even if they're as sucky as they seem like they might be, they'll improve in September. That's another bold prediction right mm-hmm. here on the Catalyst Real Estate right. <laughs> Big words. Yeah. That's awesome. Good. Things to look forward to then. Okay, so Our, we talked about... Talked about the buyers, buyer's agent. Sellers. Buyer's agent. Now. I still want to talk about the buyer's agent. We yeah. got off topic. Yeah. Here's one huge factor. Buyer's agents now need to be able to negotiate. Yeah. Yes. Before, I don't know if they were negotiating so much as just picking the highest number. Open your wallet. How much money do you have? Just let me have it all. We'll put it in the contract. And let's go. Just give them the dates. Don't do any conditions. Get this house. You literally do not. There's no negotiating there. Yeah. No. Right? And now it's back to work. Now you have to negotiate. Your skills are now back into this game. What are the, I mean, I'm not a realtor. So what, in your opinion, are the, like, the negotiable items? Like, what What does negotiating, what does that look it's like for the you? The price, the dates, the, you know, what's included, your due diligence period. You know, there's there's quite a bit mm-hmm. that you can negotiate. Yeah. Well, it's like your leverage. Your leverage. You need to hold leverage. Mm-hmm. The best way... Poker face. <laughs> the best way of holding leverage is like when you you go show a house and you look at it. It's been on the market for 40 days. And your feedback to the other agent is, hey, my guys love your house. They like this one. Seems pricey, but... Um, they're going to think about it. So you give hope. Mm-hmm. So now the seller's agent's like, hey, I think we're stirring up a deal here. But then nothing. You don't give them one. And then four days goes by, five days goes by, and the realtor reaches out to you. Hey, I thought you guys were writing an offer. I don't know. We might come back and take another peek. Yeah, come on. Let's get, let's get you back in the house. So now you have completely, you are completely in control of that transaction. Yes. Right? And the seller is hanging on you. Because normally, the leverage on the sale side would be, you better hurry up because we're getting an offer somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? But now you're driving. So now when you go back on that second showing, you've indicated to the seller that you're interested, but this isn't a for sure thing. Yeah. So price, yeah, you're gonna, it's not going to be full price. Uh, and like conventional time frame to do due diligence is a given. Yes. But then also, like, if you were to call a bank or call a mortgage broker and say, How, I need to, I'm writing an offer. How much time do you want me to give you? They would say 7,000 days if you can. <laughs> as long we're as you can. As long as you humanly <laughs> possible could. But realistically, like, two weeks is, has always been the norm in Kamloops. Yeah. Which is 10 business days. Mm-hmm. And I always try to keep in mind that on day eight and nine... If we're looking to get more time, we still have to have the leverage in the transaction because sometimes banks just don't give you the approval in the final hours, right? Sometimes you just need that one more day mm-hmm. or maybe two more days. Mm-hmm. It sucks. And I hate when a bank or a mortgage broker tells me the banks are so darn busy right now because I'm like, I can see the data and it's not lining up with what you're saying <laughs> unless you guys are doing something else. You guys in another industry? Yeah. I, I you know, like that's just a the very normal response, right? Right. So I think leverage in that transaction needs to be kept through the two weeks, mm-hmm. not just like, hey, we got the number we wanted. You know, we have two weeks to do due diligence. We got the date somewhere in between or happy mediums or whatever. <clears throat> but also like through the transaction, keeping the leverage so that if you need another day or if you're you, likely to get it, if you have to change the dates or if you have to add something to the contract, or maybe you didn't remember that there was a microwave and you want to now add that in to the contract, you know, depending on who has leverage in that transaction, they're, you know, 
So I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And from the seller's agent perspective, it's the opposite. You, you also still have to keep leverage somehow. Mm-hmm. But now you're in a very backpedaled motion. You know, I booked a showing last week and I remember the realtor reaching out to me and be like, please write me an offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just give us something in paper because they gotta, they're trying to, trying to stir anything up. Yeah. Yes. I love those transactions. <laughs> On the buyer side or the seller side? Well, in this market, the buyer side. Yeah. I mean, the seller side was real fun six months ago. But it's funny. We all craved not to be in that market. Now that we're in this one, we're all craving to be back in that market. Yeah. Is there a perfect equilibrium market that exists? Is it ever equally a seller's and a buyer's market? We say it's a buyer's market in this market, but I would would say we could get a lot more humbled if the numbers went down more, and that would really be a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. We're probably relatively equal right now leaning a little bit on the buyer side. If we had 200 sales a month, that's a, that's probably a pretty equal market. Okay. Yeah. It's fairly equal. Yeah. And I think that's where good houses sell when they're priced right, they sell Mm -hmm. and there's enough buyers to keep stuff moving and overpriced stuff sits or gets reduced which is kind of what's happening. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. And we still see multiple offers in a little small category of properties. Mm-hmm. We're probably pretty equal. I mean, if we had 50 sales in a month at 368 realtors, we'd have problems. <laughs> <laughs> we'd have 68 yeah. problems. <laughs> and then I'd be wondering why the, the bank is still raising interest rates. No kidding. There's other people who get affected, though, in this mm-hmm. market. Um past home inspector I went through the home inspection era through 06, 07, 08 like that was the big financial crisis as a home inspector I was not aware of the market it was just always good we were busy we were there wasn't enough home inspectors I think at the time okay but I know for a fact that in this market we have more home inspectors and they're feeling it they have to have felt it they have to have felt people not doing home inspections Mm -hmm. There's always a core group. The 80-20 rule applies, right? Like you're yeah. going to get busy. But I mean, home inspectors were, there was a ad from a home inspector recently that came up that they're doing a course on how to take advantage of pre-inspecting your house for this market. I saw that. But yeah. this market has changed. We don't, I don't know if that's as good of a. No, probably not. Advantage. Now you have the time and the opportunities to get your home inspection done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a that's definitely a factor. And I think all those little other factors too. Pool guys probably didn't do inspections. Mm-hmm. Termite guys were doing less inspections. Like they were probably busy because the market was busy, but they were doing less per capita of deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So making way for it. It still boggles me that everybody is looking for employers, right? Employees right now. Yes. Nobody wants to work. And yet there's so many Realtors. I don't know that it's that nobody wants to work. I just don't like, but what is the answer? Like, what are people doing if they don't want don't to know. work? I think it's easy to say nobody's working. Yeah. But I think what it is is like, that everybody's got a better, they're looking for a better job. Yeah. They're all, there's a, yeah, maybe that's it. Right. So I don't know. That's a different podcast, but. Totally. <laughs> Moving on. No, but I, I just heard that a KFC was opening up. can't remember if it was Kamloops or Merritt or something. I heard that there was a KFC, a new KFC opening up and their pay, starting pay was like 22 bucks an hour. Wow. Oh my goodness. Because they were committed to, they got to yeah. get some people in there working, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Where is it? I'll sign my kid up. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> oh, if your, kid, if your kid wants to work, this is the, this is the era. There's lots of opportunities. He's one of those that don't want to work. There you go. But he will work. <laughs> right. He is he work. old enough to work? He's 14. Okay. Yeah, I think you can have your first job here at 14. Because I, so. I think you just need a social insurance number and a guardian permission yeah. or something. I think All I had two jobs at his age. <laughs> two if feet and a heartbeat. If you're alive, you can work. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. You can do something. Mm-hmm. Um, what about mortgage brokers? Well, they have time. All the time now. Well, they have more time. 
But do they maybe... Oh, no, because the, their number of... Their volume of clients is the same regardless of it's a seller's or a buyer's market. Like, the more transactions, the more they're working. Yeah, but there's another factor in there that that keeps them more stable, which mm-hmm. is mortgage renewals. Oh, oh yeah. yes. So if you're doing, you know, let's say the average buyer is using a five-year term, they, in five years, should have their business almost in a repeat cycle, mm-hmm. where it's the same group yeah. coming through every five years. So they can be a lot busier with renewals when the market's slower, keeps them very stable. Uh, but they're definitely, like, having time to do normal due diligence. Whereas I think in the crazy market, they were being put into a position where they were, they were being brought an offer and it was accepted and it was done. Like it was a firm deal. Yeah. And now you need to go get me financing. Right. Right. Pressure. So, a little bit more pressure. Yeah. High pressure. But maybe not necessarily the same time frame because if you're completing in 30 days, you have, find me money. You have 30 days. Okay. (laughs) But the interest rates were low. People were just giving away money. Yes. Banks were giving away money. There's no problem with that. Now they're holding back. I think you'll find that the properties that are more difficult to finance, age restriction, did I say that right? Restrictions. Mm -hmm. Age restrictions. um, Rural properties, farms. Mobile homes on deeded land, mobile homes and parks. I mean, mobile mm-hmm. homes and parks are pretty tough to finance anyways. Older mobile homes, uh, properties that have deficiencies like deferred maintenance, which is a, just a sexy word of saying that no one's cared for them. Mm-hmm. Those properties that are harder to finance, you will find them to be even more difficult to get banks right now because the yesterday era is over and now banks are very aware of the foreclosure rate that's probably coming. Yes. And so so they're building in their safety net and saying high-risk properties, regardless of the buyer, we're just not going to take risk. Interesting. That's coming. I feel like I want to do a podcast on why you should never buy a mobile home. Now, granted, (laughs) there are people that buy mobile homes, and they have very good reason to, but in the macro... At some point, that thing will be very hard to finance someone else. So please be aware of that in your investment. Do you mean that because like in compared to a single family home or something, they're not, they don't age well or like why, why will they? I don't know why they don't age well because the modern certification for mobile homes is exactly mirrored after the BC building code. Mm. But you have homes that are now like built in the 70s and 80s, mobile homes that are built in the 70s and 80s. They're so far away from the building code that they are like falling apart. Got it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, maybe in 2040, when you're looking at a mobile home that was built in 2010 and it's 30 years old, maybe it holds up better because it's built out of two by six. It's got the same insulation value as a home, but... The old ones definitely weren't. Mm-hmm. The old ones that we call old now. Yeah. They're just them, like not holding up. They're not holding up. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But it's also maybe a little bit of a negative stigma. And it's a stigma that the banks have, you know, and buyers have. So mm-hmm. it's just not your best investment. You take a 1970s built mobile home on deeded land in the city limits and you take, which is difficult, by the way, mm-hmm. because the zoning doesn't allow for it everywhere. And then you take a 1970s home in Dallas, okay? One is 100% favored in financing, and the other one is yes. looked upon with a cloud over top of it. Right. So. Hmm. Well, that's for your next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Mobile sure homes. We, I'm sure we rambled on about that enough. <laughs> Who else is in this transaction? Lawyers. I don't know. Does it really affect them a whole lot? I'll tell you where it does affect them. Okay. When you made an offer in January and multiple offers and you went $120,000 over asking mm-hmm. and you did not put conditions in it and you're completing now, you don't want to complete 
your lawyer is trying to get you out of transactions. Oh, right. And that's something that's been going on lots. And even if that is just a discussion with your lawyer, there's dialogue. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a more conventional market, I don't think that's discussed as much. Yeah. You're not always trying to get out of a transaction because it was an emotional roller coaster purchase. And now you're, the market's cooled and the price has dropped and you're buying something that yesterday's oh. top price oh. when today it's on sale. Yeah. Right? Just a lot of, oh, a lot of tight feelings. You know when you go to Costco and you buy like a, it's a very Costco item. Trampoline. A trampoline. <laughs> I don't know what. And you bring yeah. it home and you set it up and yeah. then two months goes by and you open up the flyer and it's on sale for half price. Mm-hmm. So you bring Probably it back. just go back yeah. and they'll just, pay, they'll just give you the money. Yeah. Can't do that in real estate. No, truly, you truly you cannot. You cannot do that in real estate. But you can try. And sometimes if realtors aren't very good at writing their offers, there is gaps and they can get out. Yeah. God, yeah. What a tangle. It is a tangle. Yeah. I really feel for the people in that kind of position who are not happy anymore that that's the position they're in and have to go through a legal route to, which also costs money. Totally. <laughs> to to try and get out of something. That's, I mean, it's just a, the name of the game, I suppose. And especially as you were saying, like a, an emotional decision or a roller coaster that led to, yeah, the frenzy of the market. I think that was a common scenario that people were stretching themselves pretty thin to just get what they could get. Yeah. And by a little buyer's remorse yeah. is expected, I think, at this point. It sucks. There was veteran realtors in this office that have been around through multiple business cycles mm-hmm. that were seeing this peak come. And they were like stating, make sure you get big deposits. Oh. Because at some point the market will twist and there's going to be a time frame there where people aren't going to want to complete on their transactions. So you need to put bigger deposits in place, like from a seller's perspective. Mm-hmm. Kamloops is the most lenient place on earth for deposits. Like in Vancouver, in a slow market, $100,000 deposit, very normal. Here, wow, unheard of. It, it happens. It's not the norm. Yeah. But for years, I wrote $5,000 deposits in. And it was just very, yeah, this $5,000 yeah. deposit. No big deal. Because people never wanted to get out of deals. But coming out of this last little drop in the market, if you got caught on the way down where you purchased at a higher spot and you were completing in a lower spot, I mean, you wanted out of that transaction. If you lost 50 grand, if you paid 50 too much and you had a $5,000 deposit in there, it would be very easy to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you just saved yourself 45 grand. But if you had a $100,000 deposit, you're not going to walk away. Yeah, that's right? a little bit too much. So you, you, that was a big factor. Mm. And there was veteran realtors who were like, you know, they were chatting about it lots. And I was like, yeah, they're, you're right. <laughs> this is the time nice. when we got to start looking, get those deposits jacked up. Mm-hmm. Make sure we keep everybody in good faith on their contracts. And I, now maybe we go back, like, because the seller doesn't have leverage anymore. Not as much leverage. So when you're, you get the number you want and you finally, you're looking at, putting that sold sign up and they're like, it's a $5,000 deposit. They're like, put more down. And you just say, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Don't then. There's the leverage factor. So yeah, that's definitely there. No, if if lawyers though were affected from time ways, maybe just lot, there was a lot of transactions. They were just busy Mm -hmm. doing convincing. And if we're talking about lawyers, I will throw out the tidbit that you when you do a real estate transaction, don't use a lawyer that's your business lawyer that doesn't do real estate convincing. Yes. Because they, they, although it's like very petty of a project for them, they'll probably screw it up. Because <laughs> they're, they're just not dialed in. Yeah. It might be worth it to look at other options or people with a specialty then in real estate do someone Law. use someone who does real estate <laughs> transactions Convincing. for a living? Yeah, mm-hmm. because they're very good at doing real estate transactions. And uh, yeah, there's a little nugget for this podcast. There you go. Nice. Uh, well, anyone else in that transaction? I know from a perspective of the broker, 
like the broker being the managing broker of brokerages, mm-hmm. uh, they're probably discussing less issues right now than they were in the frenzy market. Yeah. When people were... A little quieter. When people were complaining that realtors weren't being ethical or I've written 10 deals, I haven't got one accepted yet, I, I think I'm missing something, people are doing shady things. The, all that that mm-hmm. narrative was happening, and I bet you that's toned right off. I bet, yeah. yeah. It's a different sphere. Okay, I'm also thinking about other people in the transaction, like photographers, house photos. Right. Like they're a bit more peripheral to the transaction, obviously, yeah. but it's a professional service or like home staging people. I don't know. Aren't there Well, you definitely didn't need to stage your home mm-hmm. peak of a market. Yeah. But I think you still had an opportunity to get good photos. I felt rushed in that process, though. It was like lots of, like I can remember selling houses where somebody wanted to, they were flipping the house mm-hmm. and they wanted a video, which takes time and effort. Like it's about, I need a week. Mm-hmm. I went on the market today. Well, then we yeah. skipped the video. Yeah. Yeah. The we marketing aspect of it was completely different. Yeah. yeah. Very limited in yeah. what you needed to do. You just needed to have a heartbeat, have yeah. an MLS number. Some kind of work. photo. Sold. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's all changed now. You got to be a little more aggressive in your marketing approach. Mm-hmm. You got to be strategic. Find the buyer. You actually have to sell. Mm-hmm. It's always ironic that you have a house to sell and you pick the very best agent who's like, this is the agent I want to sell my house and they're the only ones legally not allowed to sell it. What do you mean? Well, you can't double end your Oh, I see. Right? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. so the agent yeah, yeah. that you choose, the face on your lawn, your lawn sign, that guy is your marketing guy and he's your negotiating guy, but he can't... He can't introduce a buyer to your home. I, I mean, they kind of can, but he can't sell it. Right. Like when you think of going to um, a car lot, the guy who sells you the car, I mean, he's talking the car up, right? Right. It's got a Hemi, <laughs> 350 horse. <laughs> that guy is not the guy you choose on your lawn sign to be that guy for you. It's ironic. There's still ways you can sell it. It's just, you know, what, it, lots of people who haven't been through a real estate transaction for the last 10 years assume that the guy they're hiring is going to be holding hands of families coming through their house and be telling them how damn nice the house is. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening. Right. But maybe this is the, also the time then, well, it has to be, to be to find like really unique, creative ways to market a home. Because there's some really standard practices, right? Like obviously photos and videos and open houses and info sheets. But there's maybe something will emerge from this slowdown that's like the cool new thing, new way to market a home. We just need to be the first to find it. TikTok videos? Exactly. That's it. <laughs> TikTokers aren't buying houses. Millennials don't have any money. I'm kidding. No, that's not be, true. You'd be surprised. TikTok is yeah. getting a lot of real estate. Let's get on it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to learn how to use TikTok There first. you go. <laughs> I can watch the videos. I just don't know anything else. That's the beauty of TikTok. It's like you don't have to have an account to be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as a realtor, if that's oh, you where gotta, we're yep, going. You got to be on TikTok. I got to learn. Or just wait for the next social media, the next big and then jump on rise. Right yeah. Well, it's the ad dollars that. This is my perspective on it. Facebook is set up for realtors to advertise on it, like to mm-hmm. advertise listings, and like five years ago, that ad was cheap. Yeah. You could hit a lot of traction with minimal money, but now the gap is spread. Yeah, and there's and rules against money. realtors advertising homes on Facebook now. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, you can't. There's algorithms that will be like, if you add, if you put an ad out there for a house, and you do it inconspicuously, like like a general ad, like if I was tied, you can't running an ad. The mm-hmm. algorithms would pick it up and they would cancel it and they'd say, "This is a real estate ad, and you gotta like." Yeah, there's a special marketing 
button that you have to click in Which order to get it going. Which limits the viewership. Yep. And it makes it also more expensive because they know realtors are using the tool a lot more. Yep. So then Instagram, I mean, it's literally a back-to-back platform. It's different. The viewership's different, but the, the ads run the same. Mm-hmm. Your disclosure is the same, but TikTok isn't. Oh, yeah. You can, you can like the Wild West out there. TikTok at a, at a, it's like your viewership's going to be lower. You don't want to advertise $7 million homes because it's probably first-time homebuyers in that market. Like that's the field, yeah. right? But your condo market's probably doing really well advertising on TikTok. Entry-level homes, I would imagine moving forward, foreclosures are going to be like a hot Google search item again. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be people out there who are sitting on cash or looking for deals. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah. Hmm. It's an opportunity. You, you type in the search bar, foreclosures, Kamloops. It's, it's all lies and deception that comes up. Really? Yeah. It's all fake news. Why? Because you can, you can, there's no way for MLS to depict a foreclosure. Yeah. So there's no way to group those searches without having literally gone through them yourself as a real estate agent. Yeah. But there's a lot of agents that will market foreclosures as a good caption, right? Like right. capture leads. Yes. And then, you know, they just funnel into the regular MLS. <laughs> Tricky. You can have a Schedule A. You can have a disclosure that says Schedule A. It could even be sold by a bank, but doesn't necessarily mean it's a foreclosure. There's no way to identify that without actually, like, being in contact with the agent who's listing it. Yeah, gotcha. That's my two cents. Tricky. What do you think? Is that everybody in the the field? I don't know. I feel, yes. I'm sure we miss people, but. I think we covered the basics. (laughs) I think so, and then some. We get really nitty sign companies. Totally. I mean, I'll do life's change for them. (laughs) <laughs> no. But you know what's interesting in Kamloops is that there hasn't been a, a very competitive alternative to signs. There was for a little while, but it's gone. Do you mean like real estate signs in front of homes? Yeah. What was, what was the alternative? So you go back to the lower mainland. Like I have realtor buddies there. And there's companies that will sell you push-in Holders, so you put your sign in and you just okay. push it into the lawn, as opposed to having a sign company come out and With hammer a big, a big post, dig a hole, and make the presentation a little more fruitful. Yeah. And we don't see that that much in Kamloops no. because it's such a normal thing to have a normal real estate sign. I think it would be frowned upon aggressively to see a cheaper sign. Yeah. Oh, probably. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Like, let's say you saw a little push-in sign. I mean, they're very often they're stolen. Like if they're in a high Easy traffic area, kids rip them out, <laughs> chuck them in the ditch. Right? <laughs> That's funny. But hmm. we haven't had that introduced into our market very aggressively. Okay, here's my bold prediction. Yeah. Okay, the future of this is this will be the competition for you know nice stately real estate signs in front of homes, drone hologram real estate for sale light shows do you know what I mean like have you seen those crazy things where like it's like a thousand drones are in a almost like fireworks but they're sort of in like a a shape in the sky and they all have lights on and it's like this incredible image right okay picture that to advertise a home that's for sale could you imagine how like that would be a beacon of something I would want to go see what that was if I saw it. I'd want to know how those suckers are getting charged up. I yeah. know. I'd right. want to know what the cost would be yeah. as the listing realtor to have that done. Okay, I didn't say it was a good <laughs> business model, but this is what I think there was you a would guy, get the attention. Holograms. There was a guy in our market that changed the sign to a pyramid. Uh, like a pyramid. Like a triangle? Like, oh. Like a prism. Okay. He created a three-sided prism hmm. sign. You know, regular conventional like signpost. Yeah. But the thing could spin, right? It had the same thing on all three sides, but it could spin. Yeah. You know, the wind would blow it around. Wild. And actually, he got, he got, they got yanked because Royal LePage didn't follow their criteria. It was a Royal LePage guy. Mm -hmm. 
But he got like news coverage. I feel out like of it. that's an inventive, yeah, Something idea. New. But to a lot be of the big brokerages don't allow. They have very restrictive rules about your signs. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Even us. Well, I'm all for creativity. Yeah. You know. Let's do it. People like that. Okay, so I'll order the drones. You're and, the okay. drones. <laughs> we need about 75 of them. <laughs> yeah. Two grand a pop. Right on. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. I appreciate uh, you guys joining in for this banter of a podcast. Thanks for having me. Yes, me as well. Hopefully it was enjoyable. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time on the Camus Real Estate Insider Podcast. Mm-hmm. You betcha. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs>